Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve and a robot on the Cycling Independent Episode 40 Manual Labor. Content warning, we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay, we still love you. Sorta. What are we going to talk about today, robot? We're going to uh, we're going to talk about manual labor. This episode is about how punk rock a hard day's work is, which right. I stole from, um, you know, the hard times. That's not my joke. Uh, I, is it? I don't like working. What? I don't like working. You know, Casey no. Robertson said shirts are for work and work is for jerks. <laughs> and it's totally true. I don't think there's anything punk rock about a hard day's work. It just sucks. Uh, it suck. You're just a, you're a pawn in this capitalistic scheme and you're fucking killing yourself to live and there's nothing right about it. And that's revolting for the week. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm so tired. Working, Maybe you, it was too close to your actual um, epic manual labors to talk about this. I'm in the throes of it still. So. Um. Yeah, I uh, so I did read the notes before we started talking. I read them last night. You told me not to read them. And then I did read them. And I saw what you did there. You pulled a little brain prank on me and made me (laughs) do. You did a little reverse psychology. And instead of not reading the notes and being surprised by what we were talking about, you told me not to read them. And I did. So well played. So you're pre annoyed. I'm. I'm just generally annoyed, I think. I feel like I've been annoyed the last several weeks uh, to some degree or another. And today, I'm really trying to like breathe through it, you know, just breathe through it. I feel a little bit guilty about this because <clears throat> a, a friend of mine said to me they were they were saying that they liked our podcast. Oh, this friend of mine. That's not I'm back in. the I'm back in a good mood again. Well, so Uh-oh. they said. Why do you think, what do you think, why do you think it works so well? Why do you, you know, you and you and Steve will seem to have like this thing. How does, how does, I said, I said, well, my basic strategy is just to kind of irritate and annoy him <laughs> and then just listen to what he says. That's my basic risk as, as like producer, quote unquote, or co-producer of the podcast. That's my yeah. method. Okay. Well, now I'm in a bad mood again. That's all it took. <laughs> Perfect. It's a real roller coaster of emotions over here. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> no, I just life is, you know, life is just tricky and it's not harder or easier, you know, for any of us. So I'm not I never like to compare what I got cooking with it, what anybody else has cooking. But I just realized like the last couple of years, like I've just kind of been just been aggravated, you know. But I mean, we all we all have like everybody is kind of fucked. And I'm just, I'm just tired. You know, I think that's all it is. I'm just tired. Like what it takes to really feel like a sense of joy or a sense of contemplativeness or peace. I feel like it's just a different level for everyone now than it, than it was previously. Uh, But, you know, hindsight, looking through rose colored glasses and all of that. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Well, I think everything is vibrating harder and faster than it has. And so it's harder. It's more difficult to get to that sort of like uh, content space. I'm not talking about joy or even happiness, just that like kind of content, relaxed thing. Yeah. And maybe it's been maybe I haven't ever really experienced it enough i just i know what it feels like 
I'm just now, I like I'm to the point where it's been so long since I've felt that, that I really miss it. And I feel that a, a series of uh, sort of unfair events have taken place that are, that is preventing me from feeling it. And then I think, well, maybe I need to look deeper inside of myself, or maybe it's a problem with, it's my, it's something, some deficiency in me that is preventing me from, from feeling satisfied, you know? So then I wonder what's wrong with me. And then it's just, it turns into a big, ugly spiral, but whatever, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> We're talking about but whatever. You can't just drop that and then say, <laughs> but whatever. We're talking about the the benefit of a hard day's work. Does it feel good? I want to Does it? I want to tell good? you two stories first. Okay. And then we're going to talk about music, and then we'll we'll circle back to to, to manual. Labor. Oh yeah, I was just jumping. I was just jumping right into things, wasn't I? Well, because you can see that there's something shitty to eat coming up, and you're like, just give it to me, and I'll just eat it right now. <laughs> Uh, okay. Two things. Story number one. Yep. I was at the grocery store yesterday. I had been out riding my bike cycle in the mountainous style, uh, which I like to do. And I was having a real good time, but, uh, we, we had a cookout for my nephew's 16th birthday yesterday. And I, I, I signed up to do the, to like shop and grill and do this stuff. So I finished uh, with my bike bike cycling and I went to the grocery store and I'm just like, I know exactly what I need. There's no, I have no, there's no, it, this is not a hard trip to the grocery store, but I go in there and I'm getting my stuff and I go to get the potato chips because you need potato chips, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there are uh, a couple of young ladies standing in front of the potato chips, it's sort of like a young lady, a, a grocery cart, and another young lady. And they're there, and one of them says, do you want these chips? And the other one says, oh, no, I don't like those chips. So she, the first one puts the the chips back. And then the first one grabs another bag of chips, and what about these? And the other one says, no, I don't like sour cream and onion. So she puts those back. <laughs> and then she's like, these ones have truffle oil on them. And the other one says, I, th- that's too fancy. We don't need those. So she puts those back and this and I, w- w- my vibe, right? I rolled up in there and I was like, just be cool, man. You're not like, you know, it's cool. Where do you it's have just, to be? Yeah. Where I, I where do I got to be? It's just buying chips. <clears throat> I'm going to let these two young ladies um, sort out their uh, their uh chip purchase and then i'm gonna just lean forward i know exactly the ones i need it's the ones right in front of them and then it'll be fine but they continued uh with their discussion of chips and what i didn't understand is the one kept taking the chips off the shelf like that was a necessary step (laughs) and then they would discuss and then put them back and this went on this went on for like five or six bags and then i went (sighs) (laughs) and they turned and they looked at me and i was like i'm just gonna get some barbecue chips and i and i kind of like leaned across them and they they sort of shrunk back like uh you know why are you doing this terrible thing and then i just grabbed the big party bag of barbecue chips and i left but then i felt i did that thing where i like even after i got in the car and drove away i was like Am I the asshole or are they the asshole or are we all just assholes? I couldn't. I it, it stuck with me all day. Well, for as often as we sort of expound on the and tout the benefits of like breathing, you know, being patient and and trying to be sort of a positive force or, you know. What to whatever degree you are. Doing even the small thing sort of the banal gestures to to try and make somebody else's day better and don't go out of your way to make somebody's day worse and yeah and uh, heaving a a big sigh because somebody can't make up their mind about the chips or being oblivious to like anyone around them even you know you could really sort of overthink it like oh they're just they can't see past the end of their noses and they don't know they don't give a shit that they're clogging the whole chip aisle or whatever and it's a it's a kind of an ugly ugly spiral and similarly i'll let you get on the other thing but i got into a thing where it was like it was totally fucking unnecessary and all of a sudden 
I was about to punch this guy in the face until his wife pulled out her pepper spray. And then I was just like, wow, fuck, really? And it went from zero to a hundred so quick. And it is absolutely not my nature. And I'll, well, it, maybe it is. It's totally my nature, <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to, to curtail it and to kind of curb that sort of knee jerk reaction uh, response. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you both, you both were jerks. You, you could have chilled out, maybe done a little bit of meditation in the chip aisle and gone on about your way. And the, and the girls would still be there trying to figure out what chips to get. And, you know, no harm, no foul. So, yeah. I don't know. Everybody's yeah, just on edge. Everybody's on edge. It's hard to be in the world. It's hard mm-hmm. to be in the world. The second story. So this morning... I listened to episode 28 of this very podcast, which is about toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I was reading that and I'm reading that I was listening to that and walking the dog and, and having a real good think and like evaluating. Did we say anything good? Did we not say anything good? I think a lot of it was good. But then I came home and I was like, oh, I'm going to do a manly thing. I'm going to like I got this. Um, I got this mount. Uh, I don't you know what TRX is. It's mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. an exercise apparatus. Yeah. And With it the, has, it's like those straps and the handles and stuff, right? Right, right, okay. right. It's all body weight oriented. Mm-hmm. And I got this for my wife because, you know, I put together like a little gym in our basement for her. And, but there's a pretty hefty, uh, bracket, uh, that you have to fasten to like a ceiling joist or a wall stud in order to make it, you know, to anchor it properly. Right. And you know, the, the bolts are like, you know, four inches long and I'm like, well, you really got to put it into a stud. So I go to the, into the basement this morning and I, I take this panel down I'm trying to figure out which way the ceiling joists run. And I figure it out and I kind of pencil it and, um, I get the drill and I'm just going to run a little pilot hole. You know, you don't want to go in with the big bit first time, just punching squirrel holes in the ceiling. And so I go, Oh no, I just missed the stud. No big deal. I can spackle that. Ah, I missed again. That's weird. Third one. Third one. I'm like, this is definitely it. I start to feel some resistance and I'm like, Oh good. Nailed it. All of a sudden there's a spark and a pop and the lights go out in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) and my solution to that was to go okay well that's bad but i still need this hole in the ceiling so i'm like i know there's a wire there so i'll move three inches this way it won't matter that much and i go again and there's another spark and another pop and i was like fuck all right so my solution to that was to actually just put the drill down on the floor in the basement and leave. That's what I did. Do you think I handled that one right? Uh, yeah. yeah That's that the new masculinity right there. Burn the house down, give up. put the drill down, and yeah, give up. Put the house on the market Yeah, and start all over again in a new town. I really like that house. It's too that. bad. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Try it again tomorrow. I mean, it's really like you get into these, <laughs> you get into these cycles of super frustration, or maybe you don't. I get into these cycles of super frustration. It's like I know how to do this. Like I know yes. what I need to do, and I'm going through all these steps, and everything's going wrong. So if I do it one more time, like I'm bound to get it right. And then you just right. fuck it up even more, and fuck it up even more. Um, sometimes, most times. God, that's funny. Uh, most times it's best to, yeah, you just walk away and, you know, I couldn't revisit. believe it. I was like, I was like, what are the chances that I would hit that wire? <laughs> like, if you think about the whole ceiling, <laughs> the number of spots you would put a drill bit into a wire. Yeah. Yeah. And I found what are two. The, what are the, what are the boxes? Sort of the, 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 uh, junction boxes, yeah. you know, that you you likely might have found maybe i did and- i mean i'm i'm <clears throat> lucky that there's still hair on that one arm yeah right? it could have just really you just shorted everything out you didn't actually like 
uh, you know, get electrocuted. So that's, that's a win. I mean, it's not, it's not getting a bolt in the stud, but you didn't die. So I didn't die. The house didn't burn down. And I kind of feel like some light in our house doesn't work now. And I'm, I'm, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. Uh, That's, that's rich. Uh, Okay. Well, now, now what? I don't, I don't really know. Now, now we talk about music. Yeah. See what I did there? No, I pissed you off. I irritated you. Then I cheered you up, (laughs) gave you a laugh. Now we talk about music. Then it's back down the emotional roller coaster. But let's talk about music. Okay. Uh, What's yours? Let's go with yours first. All right. Mine is a band from Baltimore called Multicult. And Multicult is a noise rock three piece. Uh, they remind me, they remind me a little bit of, um, sort of big black shellac of North America kind of, uh, vibe. They have that sort of, uh, discordant, almost math rock feel to them. Remedial math rock. Remedial math rock. That's right. Yeah, that's what it is. And I I enjoy them. I enjoy them a lot. They don't seem very popular, uh, which I think has to do with the abrasiveness of their music. But uh, if you like to be abraded by your music, uh, if you would like your music to feel like someone pressed a power sander against your arm with like a 80, a sheet of 80 grit sandpaper on it, then multi-cult is the band for you. Well, they seem to be endorsed by Tom Hazelmeyer of, uh, amphetamine reptile records. So, you know, whatever he says is okay. Not that I don't trust your taste in music, but when he says that (laughs) something is okay, you know, you got like, he's kind of the, he's kind of the ultimate, um, I don't know. He has sort of the final say of like noise, noise bands, I think. So you're saying he's corroborating my testimony. He's corroborating your testimony. Tom Hazelmeyer. Okay. Multi multi cult is, is a little bit of a tongue twister. That's robots pick this week. And mine is something considerably more uh, mainstream Um, band called Chevelle from Chicago. Uh, they had a album in 95 or something called in the red and they had hits on MTV and radio play. And as soon as they released a, they released a video for a single where the storyline was sort of like this snowboarder who kept crashing. And I was like, no, fuck, I don't care anything (laughs) about this or what they, what they do going forward. It was just so, I don't know. It was so cliche. Like you guys like snowboarding. I like snowboarding. Let's put a, let's make a storyline about a guy who like keeps crashing and make it all about snowboarding. And it just, it was so dumb that I never listened to anything that they did again. But I went to the record store the other day and I bought four new records. And one of them was the, I guess it's the newest Chevelle release. Just, I just thought I'd give them a, a crack again. Um, and it's called, uh, Neradius. I think Neradius is how I believe it's pronounced. And, uh, the jury's still kind of out on some of the tracks, but for the most part, uh, I just, all I've been listening to for three days and some of the tracks are super, super good. What year was this release released last year? 2021. 2021. So this is a band that's been active for 26 years. Uh, gosh. Yeah, maybe, maybe, well, maybe late nineties. I don't know when they, I don't know when they, a long ass time though. It's a long Mm -hmm. ass time. I always like a band that isn't very successful and stays together that I like that. They seem to, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how successful they are. I don't know what kind of contract they signed when they signed to a major label or if they're making decent money. You know, there's like, they, they tour uh, pretty consistently and they play big festivals here and there. According, I have never seen them before uh, live. So according to the internet, 
they are pretty active and I don't even know how many records they've put out since those first two that I have. And now this newest one that I have, I mean, there, there could be a whole catalog in there that I'm not even aware of. Cause I, I wrote them off because of the snowboard video, but you say they're pretty active. So like they do step aerobics and Zumba and whatnot <laughs> bar class, <laughs> bar yes. class, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so multi-cult and Chevelle. Uh, from Baltimore, you said they are from Baltimore and Chevelle from Chicago, I think, or Illinois somewhere. So there's our, there's our picks for your ears. Uh, Now let's get on with the shit. Yeah. Okay. Back to manual labor. Tell me about your history with manual labor. This is question one. When did you start working? I think there's a funny story there. What was the hardest physical job you ever had this week? And what do you think it taught you? Uh, God, I always, my parents used to joke that the only reason they had me was to, to like shovel snow and cut wood. Like from the time that I was old enough to carry logs or use a chainsaw, I was carrying logs or using a chainsaw. And I remember the second grade or third grade, like waking up on Saturday and hearing the chainsaw down in the woods and just being like, fuck, <laughs> I had to do this. I had to, I had to be in school all week. And now I got to go fucking get sawdust in my eyes and sap all over my hands. It just, I hated it. And my mom would second say, grade, second grade, you began waking up thinking, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to waste a day. And, you know, my mom would say, well, you, the, you like, you sure like the fires that, that we make during the winter. And I was like, yeah, you know who else does mom? You do. And I don't fucking see you down there. Uh, and then, yeah. And shoveling snow, we had this long ass dirt driveway and a big ass deck too. And I was like, I I always had to shovel snow. I I begged and pleaded to get a snowblower. They didn't do it till I moved. (laughs) So probably, yeah, I mean, honestly, and it was whatever, you know, like we, we were all living in the house together. My dad was splitting wood with a wedge and a sledge. And I was little, little Steve old, like loading up the back of the truck and unloading that. I think I counted at one point that I touched each piece of wood before it went into the fireplace, like 12 times. Oh, wow. Like, cut the tree down stack the wood or carry the put, put carry the wood from the down tree put it in the truck unload it out of the back of the truck split it carry it stack it pull it out of the wood pile put it in the wood box pull it out of the wood box put it in the fireplace you're a real victorian urchin pressed into <laughs> <laughs> and every, every time i talk about this my mom's like oh Poor fucking baby. You had a roof over your head and fucking heated a fireplace that heated the house. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, honestly, like probably as soon as I could carry stuff, I was, you know, whatever, cleaning up construction sites because we built the house I grew up in. And um, and I wasn't big enough to, like, do roofing or sheetrocking or plumb or anything, but I was big enough to, like, clean up. And so that was, yeah, eight seven did you spend a lot of time holding a flashlight during those years (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no i've seen memes where it's like that's your only job where you and you your dad yells at you for holding a flashlight on the wrong spot or you start like chasing moths around with it or something (laughs) but he had a shop light so he concentrated on oh you know the the shop light would hook in a certain manner yeah yeah yeah. focus the light i was never i know he, he i think he knew my attention span was too short <clears throat> not no, compatible with flashlightery <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't be trusted with with a responsibility like that right. so uh yeah really really young and then i got a job as soon as it was legal for me to get a job so 14 or 15 or whatever the state law right. was right and i uh, started washing dishes and, and it was like that was the things that the that was what the boys in my hometown would do like the the girls would bus or be in the front of the restaurant, you know, to be seen, I guess. And the boys worked in the kitchen. And then during the summer, and you do that after school. And then during the summer, you do construction or dig uh-huh. ditches or whatever kind of manual labor was available. Because you're 14, 15, 16, 
17, 18 years old, like what the fuck do you do in, yeah. a, in a small town? But what about you? Well, <clears throat> I don't know if I started doing stuff second grade. I was definitely a flashlight holder uh, in early days. My dad grew up on a dairy farm and he was the oldest of eight. So he, he like was in school and working like 12 hour days on top of that. He, all of my uncles uh, and aunts uh, worked so hard as kids that my dad, when I did start to do uh, manual labor for my dad, which was like uh, mowing the lawn. Um, I don't know. There was so much stuff, but. I was never working hard enough. Just never, ever. Um, and and at the time, I had the same vibe as you. I was like, oh, God, I hate this so much. I hate it so much because it was, you know, I grew up in Alabama and anything you did was just a sweat bath. It, it was like hot. It was so hot. And all of the labor was felt so terrible. Uh, and also it was never good enough for my dad. Like I would spend however much time mowing the yard and he would go, go oh, are you done? I'd be like sitting at the kitchen table, just dripping sweat. <laughs> uh, and he would go, are you done? And then I'd say, yeah, I'm done. And I would have put all the stuff away and he'd walk yeah. out into the yard and say, and then come back in and say, nope. <laughs> yeah. And he's, yeah. What, what's you up need with to, that? Like, my my mom would do that too. And we had like a shit lawn cause nothing grows in Colorado, but rocks. But we had this little <laughs> patch of grass and I'd go out there with a weed whacker and I'd be like shooting pebbles all over the place. And my legs would be bleeding. And I right. would, I would shorten these random bullshit tufts of crab grass. And she would say like, same thing. Are you done? And I would say, well, according to my aesthetic of what this shitty lawn is supposed to look like at its best. Yeah. Yes. And then she'd say no. And then I would same thing. Yeah. What I will say, though. Is that I feel like my dad gave me the gift of hard work, like it was terrible and I hated him for a lot of the way that he went about it. Um, although I'm sure it was softer and gentler than the way his father went about it. Like, I think there is, well, it like was a matter, a, it was a matter of survival for them. You know, getting, oh, absolutely. The, getting the lawn and, cut is not a matter of survival, but when you're, when your family's existence depends on getting this shit done, it's a, there's a whole different level of pressure. Different vibe. Yeah. Oh, Hey, it's story time with Steve. When I was eight or nine years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JC Penny free spirit. And in time I went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue. I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong Shimano guy. Having said that, like when I arrived at like early adulthood and it was time to do work, I was like, yeah, I know how to do work. You like you know, you go at it like an animal. I think we talked about this offline uh, mm -hmm. or uh, last week that you, you work like an animal. <clears throat> That's what the guy who I'm working with told me a couple <laughs> of days ago. And he's the, I mean, he's the contractor. Like this is his bid. You know, this is a big job. They're doing this huge rebuild. And when we were done, he's like, Hey, you want to go on a mountain bike with Craig and me after work? And I was like, how the fuck are you going to do a ride? Like I'm ruined. Right. And, and he was like, you shouldn't, you're actually killing yourself. Like at <gasps> some point he, he asked me to dig this trench in the backyard, uh, which I did. It was all rock and clay. And so I had to pick it all. And then I, and then I shoveled it all out and I get, you know, I guess I did it 
in a, an amount of time that was surprisingly quick to him. And he came out and he's just like, well, fuck. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, okay. Reese, like move all of these, all these, all this wood from this place and move it over to that place. And then I do that. And he was just like, dude, like all I wanted to do, I told him, I said, I just want to go home and like take an Epsom salt bath. Like I'm fucking broken. And he told me you're going to kill yourself. Like this is, and I thought it was just, I thought, I thought I was just being a diligent worker, you know, like, that's kind of how, yeah, you I get after be, it. I don't want to, I don't want to feel lazy. I don't want to be seen as lazy. Like there's a job that's given to me and I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to bang it out. And it, it, it's not sustain. It turns out it's not sustainable. Well, I suspect you're like me in that if you see a shitty job to do, you want to finish it. Mm hmm. Like, I just want to finish this. And this was like the cruelty of my dad. And the lesson that I never learned is that if I banged out a hard job, he would be like, well, that didn't take long enough. Do another <laughs> job. Another one. <laughs> yeah. I never got that like kind of like stand around leaning on your shovel, <laughs> shooting the breeze kind of thing going. Shit drives me crazy, though, to be on a site or to be doing a job and seeing somebody like pretend it like looking busy but not being busy yeah because then that just means there's more work for me to do you know like i mean i take that i take that personally um yeah. i i think that i've always been a good employee uh in that sense but i've become incredibly resentful that i am working twice as hard as anybody else you know, and and coupled with that is that like I'm exchanging my very existence for twenty five dollars or, yeah. you know, an hour of my life that I'm never going to get back is only worth between thirty or three dollars and thirty five cents and twenty five or thirty dollars an hour. And I just that has always just been an agonizing frustration to me. And my mom has said. You know, well, it's just it's just a necessary evil. We do we do this stuff so that we can do the fun stuff. And what if what a sham like what a, it's just a false bill of goods that we've been sold that you have to do this to serve not only survive, but to. To thrive. And I guess I don't know, at some point I never wanted we had talked about this before, like I didn't want an email address. I didn't want a computer. I didn't want any of that stuff. I was like turning my back on technology because I thought it would detract from uh, making things, actually making things. And so <clears throat> when I had the opportunity to start doing a weblog uh, and to get a computer and to learn how to, you know, like really minimal uh, coding stuff that you. So I guess I picked up from like uploading photos to MySpace or whatever. Like really, really rudimentary, uh, really rudimentary stuff. I knew that if I just crossed my arms and ignored technology, very similarly to how my dad is doing it, like I don't, I don't need to know how to text. I don't want to know how to text. And then you're look kind of getting left out, you know, like I'm going to get left behind and I'm going to continue to have to do construction or I'm going to continue to have to do manual labor. And at that point, I was, in my late thirties, I guess, or forties somewhere. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to physically handle doing manual labor for the rest of my life. So I thought this is an avenue out of that. So the irony is that now, however many years later, 12, 13, 14 years later, I'm doing manual labor again, you know? And it's like, it's a go-to, it's an easy, it's an easy, um, uh, shit. What's the term? It, it's a, it's, it's an easy go-to. Like you have a body that's functional. You have a shovel, you have a ditch that needs to be dug or bricks that need to be moved or whatever the fucking job is. Like you use your body like a tool, you know? And it's sad sort of, I mean, on one hand it's in, like, I feel good about it because there's no fucking way that most people my age could do the shit that I've been doing the last month and a half. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I'm looking Ow. at this and being like, I've been doing this for 41 years. Yeah. Yeah. So 
my dad used to say, so my dad <clears throat> grew up on the farm, uh, but he was the oldest one and he was the only one that got to continue school. And he ended up not just continuing school. Uh, what he wanted to do was come back and be a farmer. And his dad was like, nope, uh, you're going to go to school. And so he went to school. He did a, he ended up doing a PhD in chemistry. And then he, uh, spent most of his career managing big chemical plants. Like he was the superintendent of these, this big, he made hydrogen peroxide for a while. He made this, whatever he made stuff, but it was very much like a, an office job and he hated it. And I said to him, I was like, why do you hate your job so much? And he said, I go into my office and I sit down behind the desk and I move papers around. And when I leave, my desk still has papers all over it. People come in and ask me questions and I give them answers, but the papers are just still there. And I said, well, what would you rather do? He said, he said he didn't swear. I was about to say it in a sweary way, but he didn't really swear. He said, he said, I would rather be a ditch digger. Because at the end of the day, you look down and there's a ditch. He said, I don't even know what I do. <laughs> mm. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you that story. I'm not trying to irritate you still. <laughs> I think you're plenty irritated. <laughs> but I will say, and I don't, I don't do physical labor, certainly not at the level you're doing it. But I do find it really satisfying. Uh I, I can definitely understand why if you're doing it the way you're doing it on the level you're doing it, it's just like, ow, it's just it feels like you're selling your current and future health uh, yeah. for dollars. And, and that's not cool. Uh, I you know, if it's if it's a job that I'm doing for myself, for my own yeah. end or my own means, you know, like I'm building I'm building out a, a loft to live in and to work in, or I'm, you know, laying a flagstone path or bolstering the ceiling joists and, you know, or any of the things that I've done in the past to ensure that I have a roof over my head and a comfortable space to live and work. Yeah. That that's fine. I'll do that shit all day long. But when I'm trading my, it, I feel like trading your physical well-being for your well-being and it's a it's an even exchange but trading it for money i think is bullshit mm. and yeah you know, i had a conversation with my parents about this and and they both said you know very much like folks from that generation i'm sure all uh share the same perspective and that they they it never even crossed their mind like you go to college you get a job you do it for 40 years. Some days, some days are good. Some days are bad, but you don't think about the fact that you're exchanging your existence. You're exchanging your fucking yeah. existence for a paycheck. It's just, it's so unfair. And, and my dad said, I, it never even crossed his mind. So, yeah, you, you know, I, I don't know, maybe we're like the soft generation or, but this is just, it always just seemed so unjust to me. I mean, here's the good news that you can make some money getting uh, eventually breaking through on a technology like Skype or Google Meet and spending an hour <laughs> yapping at a yutz like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah, now I, you're like, oh, this isn't worth it either. <laughs> well, I, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to when it comes to sort of like the job that I've created for myself you know i hope that it could i hope that it could be launched eventually into something else or transition in, into something else or you know i've joked a bunch of times like maybe maybe outside magazine will buy my website also <laughs> you know yep. like nobody yep. nobody starts a business to run the business forever like ideally somebody would see value in what i do and and hire me as a consultant or buy me outright and let me stay on to do like the creative end or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm totally open to that, but the fact that I'm closing in on like 13 years and I've not 
not only nobody has expressed any interest, but it's not even been a blip on on a radar as far as I know. It makes me think like, okay, well, maybe I should dash that dream. And I, I mean, what? I don't know. I don't have any retirement. I don't have any savings for the the the, the fact that I've worked almost. I took a year off. Uh, get I got injured at an art handling company I worked at, and at a year leave where basically my physical therapist, I got massages once a week and she encouraged me to ride my bike all the time. So I just basically had like a year long <laughs> vacation, which was epic. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, like that's the only year, but I was still working on my own stuff and I was still, I feel like people, there's a, there's a, there's a differentiation in, in a definition of work. Like Either if you work, you have a job, you've got to hate your job or you've got to break a sweat or you've got to like that's there's value in that. But if you do your own thing and you're actually happy with what you do and and you're making money to whatever degree, like there's not you're just playing, you know, oh, you're a painter. Well, you you like to do that. So that's not a job. Yeah. I don't know what my yeah. point I mean, was. That's where I'm I, was at. I, I write I write a bunch of stuff all week. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I mean, I guess the trick is that I have like four jobs. Uh, I have the you know, kind of content creation job, which is the cycling independent, which I like, I do it all. I mean, great. This is what I'm supposed to do. Great. I'll do that. And it, there's some money, uh, uh, and that's great. Um, and then I talk to bike shop people about buying things from other companies and, doing other things and and that's great because those are all just friends of mine anyway uh and it's just me trying to like figure out how to help friends get better deals and make more money and do all that stuff so that's pretty great i don't know um it's diversification i think is is for me it's the only way that i can maintain my sanity yeah Uh, you know to do and i'm a porn star (laughs) the ups guy (laughs) those hired you yeah to do yeah, I just do that for the pizza that gets delivered <laughs> to the set. Oh, geez. Yeah, we told that story last it. week, I think. So that won't you did. fall on deaf ears if that and making the move being a porn star reference. Right. Um so let's move some, on to let's pivot. Did we do the uh conventional do do what why do you think suffering on a bike is fundamentally doing uh different than doing hard work off it? Um, so you mentioned like, if you have a shitty job, you just put your head down, you do it as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah. Bike racing for me was really similar. Like bike I, racing. Yeah. I like being on a bike, but well, I mean, I guess to a degree I do it when I'm just riding recreationally too. Like if there's something, there's a job that has to be done this long climb that I know is going to suck before I'm even like past the bottom of it. And I just suffer through it like i don't enjoy the views and i don't you know like i mean and there's something meditative about it but like i fucking charge and i charge yep. differently than i did when i was 20 but i charge you charge it, less effectively <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um but how do you think like uh, you know you've done you've done long ass rides in the woods uh-huh. and you know that that's going to be hard, but you volunteer voluntarily do that. Like you have emptied yourself on a bike. How do you think that is fundamentally different than emptying yourself on a work site? I guess because the same way that if you're emptying yourself for your own means, if you're emptying yourself on your own job site or to, to ensure your own betterment, you know, your yeah. own living space or whatever it's a, it's the same thing to me i'm doing it for me i'm not doing it because somebody's trading me money for it i think that's the i think that's the fundamental difference right you what if someone offered to pay you 30 dollars an hour to ride gravel bikes for eight hours i'm kind of well I guess I'm kind of doing it anyway, but still, I don't. What if I don't feel like riding bikes that day? And I, but I have to do it anyway. You know, I think so. That's, it's not different. Still work. 
when when some when you are when you are uh, uh when you are reliant on it for a living or you have made a commitment to someone else who is signing a check i mean how how's that any different I, it's just i don't i don't like being told what to do i don't like doing stuff because i have to Mm. I guess. I mean, but make, you know, I have to do, I have to make a living. I'm just trying to adjust to survival in modern society. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I relate. I can relate to that. And I don't know Um, what I'm doing. Cindy Lauper said money, money changes everything. Cindy Lauper. She's wise. She's super wise. I actually went down a little, um, YouTube rabbit hole the other day and I was watching Cindy Lauper's performance at the American music awards. She did that song when you were mine which I think mm-hmm. Prince wrote and there was no band and she's just dancing around dressed like Cindy Lauper and she's got a paintbrush and she's painting. So it was like a, it was like a really, it was amazing. I was like, this is like an art piece. This is like a performance art piece that Cindy Lauper is doing on network television. You should, you, <laughs> you guys should check that out and money changes everything. I don't think she wrote that song either. She's great. I mean, she's a total powerhouse. Still, like, found the found of youth. Hasn't changed at all. If anything, she looks younger than she did 35 years ago. But the thing that I love the most about her, there's a clip of her singing, and she's hitting this one note, and her mouth's open, and a bird shits in her mouth. And she's <laughs> like, she just, she just spits it out and keeps going. And around the same time, that terrible band Kings of Leon was performing, and one of them got shit on, and they just ended the show. So fuck Kings of Leon and Cindy Lauper rules. So there you go. Wow. I feel um, like this episode is worth it now. <laughs> uh, question three. Are we done with question yeah. two? I think we're kind of done with question two. Let's do it. Would you rather be reincarnated as a different human? Uh, that human could be anywhere on the earth. Oh, it's a would you rather. We're just going right into the would you rather then. We got yeah. one and two done. Okay. How many would times you rather... have you done this podcast? Question three is always, <laughs> would you rather? <laughs> would you rather be reincarnated as a different human? Uh, that human could be anywhere on the earth, could be anybody, or as an animal. It could be any animal anywhere. Right. So you die and you go into whatever the reincarnation waiting room is. And they're like, well, go through this door to be a, hu- to be a human again. Uh, and look, there's what, seven and a half billion, eight billion humans on the planet. And I think that the level of suffering that they encounter varies pretty wildly. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the other door and it's any animal. And I couldn't tell you what the experience of being a different animal is. But, you know, make maybe you're a cat. And you find yourself a buddy and you curl up in windows all the time, which sounds pretty great. Uh, or you're a dog and someone will throw a ball for you or you're like a chipmunk that gets run over by a car or <laughs> maybe you're a duck. I don't know. Which one do you choose? I would come back as my own cat. No, you don't get. This is the thing of the would you rather. You don't get to pick. It could anything could happen to you. I Wait, what? That did, I could be. So I just say if I'm an animal, then I'm just like it. Dug, I have no choice in the matter. Do I make. Do I retain my own consciousness? Do I have a memory of my previous life? Sure, we'll go with that. So the question is really, would you rather be reincarnated as a human and roll those dice or be reincarnated as an animal, any animal? You don't pick. It's just like roll, oh, you know, totally fuck. random. Um, okay. Why are you well, mad again? I'm <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not. This this sucks cuz you could be like you could you you could come back as a pit bull who's bred for fighting or, you know, like, a, a like a derelict dog in in Baja who eats garbage, you know, maybe the derelict eat, dog that eats garbage is happy. I don't know. I've seen dogs in Baja and none of them look happy. Maybe you'll be reincarnated as a porpoise that plays in the waves and taunts you don't sharks and orcas. God, I don't know. I or don't know. a bird. I mean, <clears throat> you don't know if you're not coming back with your conscious. I mean, it's. I understand that animals can experience emotion. So if you can, or I believe 
I guess there are some people who don't believe that animals have the same emotional or very complex emotional capacity. Is that okay? Now, now I understand. We, um, okay. Uh, cause I, but initially I was like, oh, if I could come back as any animal and I would definitely come back as my own animal because no, I that's treat too them easy. That's better too easy. than anything in the world, but you could come back as, uh, uh, I don't, I'm going to go with an animal. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to roll those dice. Cause, but really not being a human is just too, it's too difficult. If you think that you and I have been very fortunate in human terms, mm-hmm. there's a lot of humans with a much more difficult and suffering filled life than we have. Yep. So we won this one. We won this round, despite having to stack all that wood. Uh, I kind of, well, I sort of think the animal thing is a little bit the same way. Like maybe you're going to be a starfish that just like slinks up and down a beach or yeah, maybe you're that dog in Baja. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. I feel like, like constantly sort of existing in this kind of minor existential crises that I have been like a question like this is I start thinking about what would it be like to dip out of this reality and try something where my nervous system is maybe a little, a little bit less evolved or, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I don't feel sad about the condition of the entire planet or, my family or, you know, and that, but that's not to say like you've seen deer, uh, mourn the loss of one of their own or play in a mud puddle or so, you know, they can experience joy and they can, animals can experience joy and can experience sorrow. So unless you're right, unless you're talking about an invertebrate that just sits there and their lifespan is all of 12 weeks. I kind of thought it would be cool to be an earthworm and just kind of like eat dirt and shit dirt for eight weeks. I mean, the other side of that, the other the if you game it out. okay, I don't know how long earthworms live. I don't know what the lifespan is, but say you're an earthworm and you do your earthworm thing. Uh, Maybe you end up on a hook and, uh, you know, some um, 50s, uh, 50s, eight year old digs you up and puts you on a hook and throws you in and you catch a fish. But now you're back in the waiting room. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'd be. Uh, I can't imagine. Can you imagine being a conscious earthworm? Like, no, taking your consciousness. Ah, oh, shit. I got to eat dirt all day again. That'd be Fuck, I don't even know if earthworms sleep. I, I don't I don't know either. This is actually the most I've thought about earthworms, though. I will say since I was small, if I would find one or I dug, I was playing in the dirt or I dug one up. I just dug one up the other day when I was digging my trench and um, I carried him over and put him in some plants. Yeah. So he was probably like, what the fuck? I was just in home. And then now I'm in somebody else's home or like I got to dig back in the ground. What the hell just happened? Maybe he was like, oh, I was digging. I was over here in this shitty dirt. And now I'm in this nice condo <laughs> dirt like this. What is this? A house plant? This shit is I just, dope. I just got plucked up from the hood and dropped in like Beverly Hills in a yeah. brand new place. I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. I don't what know. is I this? Mean, Lemon verbena? This is I'd nice. I'm going st- to stick with the animals. Yeah. I think I'd, any way you slice it, I think I'd rather be an animal. I want to give that a go next time. Hopefully I get like a, a good deal and not a raw one, but I think, and it might just be right now or not right now, but in general these days, like being a person is so complicated and I don't feel like I'm much wired for it. So if given the opportunity to be an animal for a little while, however long that span is, yeah, could be 12 years, could be 20 years. Fuck. You could be a tortoise and you're around for 800 years and you just watch, <laughs> you watch generations and come and go and empires rise and fall. And you, all you're doing is just sitting in the sand, eating apples. I like that idea. <laughs> I like just sitting there. Cause I like that. Like a tortoise could look at humans and be like, go ahead, smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> oh, where did I've this, seen one come this from? movie before? 
Where did this come from? This question? This, yeah. Where, how, where did that, where did, what inspired that? I, I was reading this thing. <clears throat> I was reading, I read a, I just finished a book about, uh, existence. This is not going to make any sense. Uh, a whole thing about existence and consciousness. And I was like, what conscious, you know, like, is it, is human consciousness worth it? I, I don't know. I was doing this whole, I think a little bit like you, um, God, this humaning thing is sucks. Um, I mean, I'm going to keep doing it, but it's a lot. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, you know what that reminded me of? A few what? weeks ago, I brought up, um, I brought up Mickey Vukovic and you said, well, explain who Mickey Vukovic is. And so I went into this whole long description of who he is and how I know him. And then by the time I got done with that, I couldn't remember why I brought him up to begin with. Yeah. But it's because it, he said, uh, I talked to him on the phone, I don't know, a month ago. And he said, I can tell how you are by how you present yourself on the podcast. Which I thought was kind of interesting because I thought that I was just sort of like presenting myself like I present myself, you know, like have a you have a conversation. I wasn't wearing I, you know, I might convey some emotion or another, but like I don't really talk about my own shit. But he said that just how I. How we interact or how I interact with you, he could tell how I was, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I buy that. I don't know Mickey very well. I mean, we've corresponded a little bit, but I don't know him like we've never hung out. Um, But I buy what he says. I buy that, that you, you, even the look on your face. I mean, people can't see the look on your face, but I see you different every week. Huh. Wild. Whereas me, I'm just this, I'm this, this is it. You're like a Labrador retriever. (laughs) You're always kind of bouncy. You're always, you know, sometimes you might be sleepy. Sometimes you might want to play, but you're always yeah. pretty even keel. I feel that's pretty accurate. I'm a, I'm like a, a Labrador retriever with a um, heavy case of nihilism. <laughs> you know, like imagine, <laughs> imagine that the Labrador retriever wasn't like, what? A bowl full of food again? <laughs> imagine instead that the Labrador <laughs> retriever was. Yeah, go ahead and fill up the bowl. We're all going to die eventually. You know, <laughs> it's that I've just accepted. I'm like, uh, I'm like a, the cheerful version of Colonel Kurtz at the end of Apocalypse Now, you know, where he's like the horror, the <laughs> horror, but whatever. <laughs> I think that sums up uh, today's effort pretty goddamn well. Um, so, hey. Everybody, thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have questions for us or topics you'd want us to pontificate on, email Stevel. I mean, email me uh, at Stevel at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent website, please share it with a friend. It's the only way we have to keep this party going. And we say it a lot, but we have kind of like I w- I've been thinking about this for a week. I don't know what I don't know what else to talk about. And so Robot and I are going to have a little editorial meeting here at the conclusion of today's post. But we have, you know, uh, I have said before, if it's really hard for me to come up with ideas to talk about. And if somebody gives me an idea and it could be anything like I can't if I said I'm going to talk about matchbooks or I'm going to talk about uh, my history with fire trucks or something like that, like I can't come up with anything. But if you, the listener, or Rob, robot says, "Hey, let's talk about matchbooks." And I have a million stories about matchbooks. I don't know why my brain works that way. So for real, if anybody has ideas that they would like to share with us, or experiences that they've had that we maybe can um, turn into episodes, uh, that'd be great. We can use all the collaboration efforts we can get. Let us spin the straw of your suffering into our own mirth. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you'll even get a, like a proper shout out. And oh, who yeah. didn't want that? I mean, yeah. for all of the hundreds of people who are listening to this will know your name. Uh, so with that, this has been revolting. I'm Steve. I'm robot. Don't forget to suck it. Oh.
Let's go.